This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to The Podcast Under The Stairs. This is episode 221. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. On episode 221, um, because my plans fell through and because I put ideas and suggestions out in the Facebook group page and you guys came back with about a million amazing ideas which we have to cover somewhere down the line, I've decided to actually kind of double down on something that was passed in comment on Twitter regarding the kind of effects that COVID-19, aka the coronavirus, is going to have potentially on horror cinema in 2020 and 2021. And I actually thought when I started looking into this, that yeah, some of the big cinema titles will be affected, but there are other considerations that we need to take into account, both good and bad. So that's what we're going to do on this episode. It ain't going to be a huge, massive, long conversation, but it is going to be one that I think is food for thought because there's a lot of things that will not be the same once the world gets back into the swing of things. A lot of projects have been delayed and just a lot of stuff that the horror industry itself relies on has not happened or will not happen in the coming months. So that's where our discussion is going to be. As always, I look forward to your input, especially when we're doing discussion episodes. And the best way to do that is on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast. You can come across there and let me know what you think of the discussion topic we're having here, uh, which we'll be raising after the first break. Now, before we get into that, there is a ton of things to update you on this week, because not only are you getting what will be essentially two episodes out on the Teapots Collective, that's right, tomorrow you'll get the Return of Chronicle looking at Blood on Satan's Claw, but also on Saturday you'll be getting a brand new episode of Where to Begin With, and hopefully you submitted your review and your thoughts, your musings in for Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Because if you did, they'll be read out on that episode as we move on to our next movie and uh, continue the conversation on over there. So yeah, so two episodes come in there. In terms of Teapot's content, you're getting four planned episodes plus two live show contents that will be streaming on cast. So what does that mean? Well, that means today you're getting this discussion episode. On Thursday, we'll be doing a bonus review on a fairly new Netflix release called Platform. We did a live stream of that recently, so I've still to put down my formal review for that in a non-spoiler and spoiler fashion, so I'll be coming on Thursday. On Saturday, you're going to get another bonus episode with a brand new horror title being reviewed. And then on Sunday, you'll get the next in our line of slasher classics from 88 Films. The live episodes though, tomorrow, you need to be on the Facebook group page because I'll be dropping a link about 9 o'clock p.m. UK time 
to tell you where to jump over and check out a live mixtape version of the podcast Under the Stairs. It's me doing a little bit of live radio over on cast, curating a list of some of my favourite horror soundtracks. In addition to that, I'll also be doing some spooky conversations and maybe a ghost story or two. The only way you will get that link to come across and be part of that cast is by checking out facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast. Then on Thursday, Thursday is no longer Thursday Thursday, it is instead um, Movie Commentary Thursday. Every Thursday moving forward at 9.30pm UK time we will be screening a movie and doing a commentary. This week I'll be joined with The Baz. Uh, with one of potentially three selections which will be announced on the Facebook group page for a poll on Thursday this week. Once again, more reason to be on facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast. There we go. So that's it. Tons of content this week. An absolute fucking plethora tsunami, a tsunami of plethoras of content coming your way. So yeah, there we are. That's all your updates. Let's get into this. This is going to be an interesting conversation and it's going to be coming right up after promos for shows that I love. Ladies and gents, I'll be back to discuss Corona and its effects on the horror industry right after this. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, LegionPodcasts.com, The Psychosemantic Podcast. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So let's get into this. So I think the first place, the logical place to start is cinema. Because as we are all fully aware, cinema is closed. There is no cinema at the moment at all. Um, Companies and uh, studios at the moment are doing what they can to either delay, release kind of windows for movies, where possible release them online, straight to VOD, and a kind of rental system, so they are still retaining for physical release later on, or just out and out, like, putting these titles on ice, uh, pending the kind of realignment of releases that they can then fit their movies in comfortably because this isn't just a case of oh delay your movie six months because if everyone does that your movie which was coming out let's say in March and was maybe up against I don't know at the most a kind of a level of drama cinema might now be going up against a massive Marvel movie and as such your profit margin gets squeezed within an inch of its life. So what does that actually mean? Well this is a list of movies that we know for a fact have been delayed. These are big horror titles as in the ones that will make a ton of money in 2020. The first one we should look at is Ghostbusters Afterlife. Now this is more a horror comedy, probably more a comedy action with slight leanings towards ghost content. Maybe not necessarily the sort of movie you would expect for discussion on Podcasts Under The Stairs, but needless to say, the market behind this, the machine behind this, and the industry that kind of caters to horror fans, that's specifically online magazines and, you know, 
horror websites have been actively promoting the kind of return of E. Reitman behind the, the, the helm of a Ghostbusters movie. And Ghostbusters Afterlight was originally supposed to come out July 10th. Now, if you're sitting there with your calculator and you're working some stuff out, you would know that most people, most most of the, the kind of early guesses is that, you know, things will have started to return to normal um, kind of very late June, early July. Now, this is a guess. They can't be 100% sure about that, and I think that's why this decision has been made. The movie was supposed to come out July 10th, so, you know, that got around about the 4th of July, and was going to have this big push. It was going to be the big blockbuster movie, and as a result, it's now been delayed, but the delay is quite interesting because instead of being released in that kind of July time frame the following year, the decision's been made to push it to March. So it's now going to be released March 5th, 2021. Now that is about the same time frame as you would expect a movie like A Quiet Place 2 was going to be released. It's about that time frame. So there's been a decision there that there is a market, a viable market of people that want to go and see it, like a big blockbuster movie about that time of the year. But what's interesting about it is where they've said, no, we're going to delay it like quite a considerable amount of time. What's that, nine months, I think? Delay for Afterlife. So... Yeah, so Sony's taking that decision March the 5th, 2021. Will it pay off for them? Is this the right sort of movie to arrive in March? You know, not even quite springtime yet. Because uh, to me, a Ghostbusters movie feels like summer blockbuster, so it'll be interesting to see what the overall effect is there for that. Speaking of A Quiet Place 2, it was almost out. I mean, we were we were pretty much there. It was due for release in and around March 20th and the decision was made very, very quickly to delay this one. Now, what's interesting about this one is that it's been delayed to August 2020, so they've taken a decision to delay it uh, approximately five months, is that four or five months? Um, Back in the time frame that they expect people will be going back to the cinema on, on force. Now, is that... Right though, because here's here's the thought process here. Let's say things are delayed just one month in terms of that kind of ambitious time frame to get people back to work, get cinemas open and whatnot. Things are delayed one month. This movie doesn't come out, I think, comfortably in August and may get pushed back even further. So we're already looking at a kind of a very tentative potential release date in August that could be affected. Now, this movie was expected to make a fucking shitload of money. I know what you're thinking. Really, Duncan? A Quiet Place? Yes, A Quiet Place 1 racked in a ridiculous amount of money. And there was already discussions prior to this movie being released that, you know, there could be A Quiet Place 3. You know, how far can we push this franchise? It's a whole world to explore. So kind of Paramount, the company behind this one, are already planning a kind of massive scale of potentially franchisable content for A Quiet Place. And all that hinges on the successfulness of Part 2. Because if Part 2 doesn't do, let's say it does, what, two-thirds of the money they're expecting. I don't know if you see a third movie. Because all these movies are kind of they're ambitious, you know what I mean? We have a, a forecast of how much we think certain movies are going to make. When they overperform, that's amazing. And you tend to find sequels happen or, you know, studios get kind of cocky. If something underperforms in like the first weekend, it's pretty much written off. 
even if it does make its money three, four weeks later, it's kind of written off. So it'll be interesting to see if A Quiet Place 2 actually does manifest in August. And if it does, does it even come close to what the industry projected it was going to make? So that's, that's food for thought for sure. Uh, one that appears to be like just full of woe, this is like the ultimate tale of woe, is the New Mutants movie. So this is the kind of X-Men comic book spin-off. This is not, not um, my world of knowledge. And if the Baz was here, maybe the Baz would be able to help us. But it's based on comic stuff that I know. Um, it's apparently a kind of edgier, more horror-centric superhero take. And... This one has been kind of postponed four times now. Uh, originally, I think it was supposed to come out in 2018, which means the movie must have been shot 2016, 2017, and here we are in 2020, and as it stands just now, it was uh, the marketing was out, we had posters, we had trailers, we had April <laughs> as a release date, and right on the, the kind of precipice of that April, we, we don't get it. We don't get it at all. Um, and what's more is that now with this particular movie under kind of ownership of Disney, because Disney acquired Fox, um, there is nothing to say that this won't go straight to Disney+. Plus. I mean, that's what I would do if I was them. I would not be pushing... I saw the trailer for this one and it looked messy. I, I, to me, it didn't look enough like a comic book movie for the comic book fans and it certainly did not look enough like a horror movie for the horror fans. Plus, I think it was rated PG-13, which is not always a death nail, but for a movie that's touting itself as a darker, edgier sort of kind of comic book movie, I just didn't see it from what I saw specifically on on that trailer. So a Disney Plus release probably makes sense for me. You've, you know, you give people this exclusive, it makes people maybe want to sign up for use of the site, plus it gets you an opportunity to kind of bury a movie which has been kind of doomed from the start. You've got to assume that even with Disney buying over, Disney's only really had to pay for marketing that production cost and all the rest has been covered before Disney purchased Fox. So. Um, you know, you give out exclusive content, you get people over on your platform anyway. Kind of makes sense. As bankable names, you've got Anya Taylor-Joy and Maisie Williams, two big names in TV and horror in general, assigned in this movie. So, to me, that makes sense. If they don't do that, I don't know if we ever see this movie um, out with something, well, never appear on Netflix. That's the thing, it's Disney. So Disney has Disney Plus, they have to release it there or it goes straight to physical media, which once again, doesn't, I think, necessarily serve Disney all that well. So time will be interesting on this one. I do think we'll probably will see it this year and I do think it'll probably be on Disney Plus, but um, this will be one of the big first kind of, oh, it's definitely not going to be in the cinema casualties um, in kind of our sphere of interest for sure. Talking about our sphere of interest, a movie that had, well, was kind of just starting its, its kind of big push in terms of the, the trailers and the market behind it, and it's Spiral. So this one here is the new Saw movie, kind of resurrected here by Chris Rock, who is on as a producer and starring in the movie alongside Samuel L. Jackson. And this one was coming out in May. This was pretty much May, you know, mid-May, 
It's going to be out. We're going to see it. We're already getting the trailers. We're already... I'm sick of this motherfucker. No, I wasn't quite saying it, but I believe there was at least one motherfucker by Samuel Jackson in the trailer. So Spiral was pretty much out. And they've been like, no, pull it. Where does a movie like that appear? Now, my kind of thought on this one is Saw was traditionally released in October. So to me, it makes sense delaying this one the, what, five months? Release it in October time. It's definitely a movie that is going to be of that time period. Now, what is your competition if you do that? Your biggest competition is going to be Halloween, which is out in October. So you're going to have people going out to see Halloween for sure. That's, you know, that is a no-brainer, assuming that Halloween doesn't get pushed back. And let's face it, Blumhouse are unlikely to do that. You release Halloween around Halloween time. But it's a long month. It's 31 days in that month. And yes, Halloween is gonna is gonna bring in some money and it's gonna kind of dominate for things. But if it comes out, let's say the third week in October, why not put your movie out the first week of October? Preempt it, get it out there, get it marketed. At the moment, it is being classed as indefinitely postponed. But I think you would be short-sighted if you were trying to do that and not release it there. Because what's the alternative? Waiting off a full year to release this movie? It doesn't make sense. Get it out there. Um, originally, it was supposed to go out against Antebellum, which was also, which has also been delayed. That's a Blumhouse title. Uh, Antebellum looked like the tits. I loved the trailer for that. I genuinely thought it looked like a really, really interesting movie. That has also been delayed with, to the best of my knowledge, no release date for that one yet either. So it'll be interesting to see, do they still come out about the same time period? Does Spiral make October? I would, if I was them, I would get it out in October early. Get out there. People, trust me, when people come back from being on this COVID-19, cinemas will get a bump at the start. People will want to go out and do things, they want to just be out in the world. And um, I know what you're thinking, cinemas aren't out in the world, Duncan, but they kind of are. The recreation, which isn't in your house, so... That's what I expect. One that we know for a fact does have a release date that's been bumped, but we have a definitive date, is Candyman. So the Candyman, a kind of spiritual sequel, remake, whatever we're calling it, uh, which is going to be directed by Nia DaCosta and uh, written and produced by Jordan Peele, was supposed to be out mid-June. Now we know for a fact that that one is coming out late September. The tentative date is 25th of September. That to me is sensible. You're not delaying it too long. You're still kind of catching us on the cusp of the, the kind of summer window so to speak. We're starting to move into autumn, but we're, we're, we're still certainly in kind of big movie mode in September. So that's a sensible move. Candyman is likely to do a shitload of money as well. This is another one that has a ton of marketing behind it, a big studio behind it, some names, bankable names behind it. And I think there's going to be a lot of people watching this movie that have never seen any of the original three movies and you could argue that some of them aren't worth checking out but we'll never have seen that first one and I genuinely think that first one is damn near a masterpiece but in doing what they're doing here I think you still get the interest in you are maybe just once again on that bankable level of people rushing back to cinemas um, so that could be interesting to find out where where that kind of lands one that, I mean, um, in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, this is... I mean, it's getting, once again, promoted in horror communities, and I don't know why, is Morbius, uh, which is the Jared Leto vampire movie, but it's also a superhero movie, 
and it's been delayed almost a whole year. Uh, it was supposed to be out in July, it's now going to be out in March next year. And to be honest, the trailers for that look like an absolute fucking hot mess. So, I mean, I don't necessarily think you have much to worry about there. I think that being delayed is probably okay. You know, I think that's maybe alright. How things have changed, though, in terms of some of the releases? Well, we've already seen, for example, The Hunt and Invisible Man. Universal put them straight out, even though they'd had a couple of weeks of uh, kind of cinema time. They pushed them out to VOD and this kind of rent them for 48 hours for, was like, what was it, like $20 or something, which I did see some people get sniffy at, but if you've got a group, uh, your family's all sitting down, if you all went to see that at the cinema, or even two adults went to see it at the cinema, you're saving money, plus you've got 40 hours to watch, you can watch a movie twice if you wanted. But you've got a movie like Vivarium, which is apparently fringe horror, um, which was supposed to be out late March, it kind of got cancelled, and they put it out online instead so just made that move straight to this movie is going straight online which I kind of appreciate because you know what we're just going to do that we're just going to like spin that out straight away over there and why not that to me is a no-brainer so you've got movies like that I think we're going to see a lot more of that in fairness I could see a movie like Antebellum maybe making a straight to VOD release somewhere later on the line and Blumhouse just kind of take absorbing the hit of however much that, that, that movie costs they can certainly afford it and will certainly make it back when Halloween comes out later in the year and that's the interesting thing about the Blumhouse model and this is one that might affect Blumhouse a bit harder than some of the other companies um, Blumhouse have this kind of tried and true method of kind of smaller budget financed movies I think the, the budgets are usually about 5 million including marketing and they tend to do a lot of content now some of that content will be stopped now but they'll also have a pretty aggressive release schedule moving forward the reason I say that is since December I think 5 Blumhouse titles have come out which is almost one a month, right? And you imagine they maybe have another four or five planned that they are hoping to make those money. That's money they've spent out without recouping money. There's only so long you can do that before you actually start to take a hit. So um, kind of studios like that are certainly uh, kind of opening themselves to a bit of danger. I mean, Blumhouse has a lot in the bank though, so they might be okay and they might be able to work through it. But certainly, when you are looking at... I mean, I don't think we talk about this. A company like Disney that's had to shut its theme parks that can't put out its massive Marvel movies, that's going to be affected. That's going to be seriously, seriously affected because it is not just in the filmic centre, it's also in the theme park centre of where they derive the revenue. They're going to have to delay some of their massive anime Uh, you know, their kind of animated features, they are going to be delayed as well. So how that affects a massive company like Disney, which you would assume could be immune to these things, might not be either. So let's spin it out a bit further though. Film festivals. Now, I know what you're thinking. If the film shot Duncan, film festivals might not necessarily have that much of an impact, but they actually do. South by Southwest is the first one, obviously, that was cancelled. And I know Amazon are doing some sort of, we're going to pair with South by Southwest and release a platform for people to see these movies. That doesn't generate the same buzz. Some movies that have been released at South by Southwest have been been given massive pushes 
and horror circles based on crowd um, reaction. They get much bigger pushes than they generally would be. They go from being potentially small kind of releases in a, a kind of February, for example, to being pushed forward to maybe an August release with a much bigger kind of margin for the, the market. There are plenty of other festivals though that have that sort of impact where basically what you are banking on is your movie hitting that sweet spot with an audience and critics alike and then the buzz that will generate around it. Think about movies that have been touted that way before. Hereditary, we knew all about Hereditary, we knew all about Get Out, we knew all about The Witch, we knew all about The Babadook, well in advance of these movies coming out because of how they played at things like Cannes or how they played at things like South by Southwest. You can argue that a movie like Your Next doesn't get a cinema release without that massive reaction it has at South by Southwest. So closing down festivals or moving festivals considerable time from when they would be released is going to have a huge impact. It can't not have a huge impact on where we are with how movies might potentially be seen or how they might be received by by ourselves or what platforms we might receive them. It's the difference between seeing something make its way straight to a Netflix or seeing it at the cinema. Could be the distance between a festival happening and showing that movie or a festival not happening. So we have those aspects to consider as well. And that's before we start talking about the streaming sites themselves. When you look at something like an Amazon Prime, a Netflix, an Apple, a Hulu, companies that have actually financed and invested in their horror content itself. You know, doing uh, something like a Stranger Things TV show or financing a wave of... And Netflix were doing this for a while there, taking Stephen King content and just allowing directors to adapt them direct to their platform. Um, you've got Amazon and a similar boat where it comes to, remember, we're not supposed to be all that far away from the Nicholas Winden reference produced Ed Brudebaker directed and written Maniac Cop TV show. That might just not happen this year now. We might be waiting a little while for that, even making an appearance, purely because it's not viable. We can't put that stuff out. And that's before we even look at the movies that are just not filming now at all. Uh, that could be something like a Jurassic Park 3, which is, once again, fringe, fringy where we are. Um, but, you know, those sort of things, like the Godzilla versus King Kong movie is most certainly going to be delayed um, there's no way it's not going to be delayed and when that movie comes out who the fuck knows but any movie that maybe needs to do some reshoots those reshoots aren't going to happen for potentially months and that has an impact as well actors have already signed up to do other movies um, so all these schedules are going to move around uh, when it comes to Apple TV originals like these things are going to stop off as well so there had been rumours flying around that they, maybe M. Night Shyamalan would do something else with them and that be, might be happening imminently unlikely now that is likely to be gone kind of you know right off the table uh, for a bit of time so streaming sites you know festivals cinema runs like the actual making of movies themselves all affected this is all negative shit isn't it so where could the positives come in? Well, the positives could come in in that there is no shortage of movies that have already been made. 
And to be honest, these platforms like a Netflix, like an Amazon Prime, like an Apple that don't have their own content filming right now are in a position that maybe they start picking up some of these. Shudder should be doing a killing right now. There's so much indie stuff out there that isn't going to make its way to a festival that if these companies reach deep to pick up indie horror movies and put them out, then you never know. They might be able to help the filmmakers and the investors in those movies whilst giving us some new content because content is king. And if you don't have your own content filming just now, then you need to acquire content to put out because content is king. So what I think you'll find is maybe there's an opportunity here for more indie-leaning horror movies to start making their way to these streaming platforms are directly to VOD, maybe we just get them pushed straight there. So there are avenues for them for sure. On top of that, what you have is an opportunity for like companies like Arrow or IFC or Chout Factory to start, you know, basically acquiring titles to give them, you know, releases on their platforms directly. I look at Arrow Films putting out something like Hagazooza directly on their platform or After Midnight, which are both getting physical releases, but they put them out a couple of months early there. IFC is forever acquiring movies that do well festival-wise. Maybe they just have to take the, the plunge uh, and invest in movies, you know, acquire them for distribution based on their viewing screenings of them as opposed to what the festival's have said about them or the the reaction on there. Maybe it pushes things more in that direction. So it's an opportunity, I think, for for more independent-leaning horror movies to get some sort of maybe slightly larger release than they would have got before. So that has to be looked at as kind of a positive in that light as well. So you've got that kind of leaning towards the positive. I also think there's an opportunity just generally for other ways, smarter ways of using platforms or media itself. Like if you are, you know, a horror artist just now, now is a great time to be honing your art. If you're a horror author, now is a great time to write a book. If you are working in horror computer games, now is the time to be ramping up production on your ideas to get these things out because we are collectively as a society now used to being inundated with content. That is what we want. We want distractions from our jobs, distractions from our lives. We want to live in a media obsessed environment, whether that is text, you know, um, pictures, uh, or, 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 or movies, we want some level of, of content that needs to be filled. We crave it, we crave it quite a bit. And that's where I think the opportunity comes out just now. I think kind of post-COVID, there's going to be a ton of really exciting things coming out. I think the film industry will change a little bit. I think some theatre groups may close down altogether, but will be replaced by other ones who will start new business models and opportunities. I think if you are a consumer, there may be more directed at you directly where there are better deals. I know that I've got a cinema card in the UK and in America they've tried a few different versions of that. You might find that there's finally a business model that works that comes out to encourage people to go back to theatres. You might find that streaming sites change the way that they're doing things and, and do smarter models. 
there are a lot of free content coming out just now. HBO's just released a ton of free stuff on HBO Go. So I think when you look at that, I think companies are just trying to keep us going. Like Arrow streaming site is now 30 days free as opposed to 7 days free. Shudder are doing 30 days free as opposed to 7 days. So you can get people in and these companies can afford to extend their trial periods that I think you might find the system of how we do business modelling of pricing schemes for these things change as well. So I think, yes, there's a lot to be kind of doom and gloomy about. There's a ton of titles which we're not going to see this year that are going to be pushed right back. And if you remember my episode back in January where I was like, this is how the year looks, that episode is now null and void, completely null and void. But there's an opportunity on the other side now for different things to get there push new ways of operating business, new ways of consuming media um, that I think change the industry, not necessarily for the worst and I'm not going to out and out say for the better either because I would never be that bold, but I think there's an opportunity for plenty of new ways to consume media and a world which will adjust to a very much changed landscape kind of when we're all back out in the real world. So I think that is some food for thought. I would love to know what you guys think as well. And the best way to do that is by getting on the Facebook group page and let me know. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Cast. What's your concerns, your hopes, your dreams and your fears about COVID-19 when it comes to our beloved horror movie industry? Let me know. Right, I'm going to take my final break. When I come back, I'm closing out the show and I'm doing it right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been episode 221. This has been a discussion episode looking at the impact that we might see for the rest of 2020 and through to 2021 with the COVID-19, aka coronavirus outbreak. Like I said before, these discussion shows are best when we have your input. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast. Let me know what you think of what I've said. Am I being too doom and gloomy or am I being too optimistic about what the world is going to look like in a few months' time when we hopefully are all back out there in the real world? I'm genuinely interested to see what you think of it. There's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs. As always, I say whatever device you're listening to this show on, um, you hit subscribe. Make sure you subscribe to our RSS feed and that way you never miss an episode of Podcasts Under The Stairs because trust me, there's a lot of it coming down the line. But the bigger platforms, we're always there. Your iTunes, your Spotify's, your Stitchers, your TuneIn's, your Google Plays, etc, etc. We are available for you on those platforms. Just make sure you hit subscribe. And do subscribe to the Teapots Collective. You're getting two episodes, two brand new episodes on the Teapots Collective this week. One for Blood and Satan's Claw, the return of Chronicle podcast looking at folk horror cinema and also on Saturday you're getting a brand new Giallo review from our Where to Begin With series and you have until Friday this week to get your review in for and your thoughts, it doesn't have to be a review, it can just be thoughts for Bird with a Crystal Plumage. Get them in to me so they appear 
on that show. Uh, you can visit our website, teapotscast.com. You can buy merch like posters and pins directly from our merch page. It's teapotscast.bigcartel.com. I've slightly delayed the merch campaign for our mugs, uh, mostly because this weekend was a blur and I can't remember much of what happened in it. All I remember is I didn't do it. Uh, so they'll probably happen this weekend. So if you were interested in them, keep your eyes peeled for that when they arrive. Get across to our Facebook group page, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash teapotscast. You can interact with me on the discussion for this episode, but you need to be there to find out what the links are to our cast channel for this coming Tuesday, tomorrow, 9.30pm UK for the live mixtape episode, which is playing some of my favourite horror soundtracks. I will be your radio host doing spooky stories and playing spooky songs. So yeah, make sure you're over there for that. But every Thursday, moving forward at 9.30 UK, we will be playing a movie and doing a live commentary, but you need to be on the Facebook group page in order to see what the link is. You can check out our Facebook page for the Teapots Collective, facebook.com forward slash teapotscast. You can interact with myself and the bars and the twin prongs of social media sexiness, Instagram and Twitter, both can be followed at teapotscast. Visit us on the Flick Chat app, which is free and available on Android and iOS for you, ladies and gents. Flick Chat, our junk code is TPUTSCAST. It's a message board. I've been negligent over there. I am bringing it back with some heat and some thunder this week. So check it out. Oh, there we go, ladies and gents. The podcast Under the Stairs will be back on Thursday with a bonus review of the brand new Netflix horror movie, Platform. But until then, wherever you are, what the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan Cleese broadcasting live from Under the Stairs and I am signing off.